0: Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here Here we go. go.
1: Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Bump. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. My pleasure, always. Jade, one high, one low from this week.
0: Up high, down low. Too slow. (laughs) That was a mum joke. Uh, One high. I'm sleeping through the night because Yumi is sleeping through the night, I have officially finished breastfeeding, and it is fabulous. That's not a high of the
1: week. That's a high of the year. I yeah, think. that's
0: a yeah. It's an As she- a
1: newborn mama, that oh, is a yeah. high of the week. <laughs> um, yeah,
0: the one low is I'm actually waking up at 2 a.m. for about three hours because I'm so used to that that time where she would used to feed. So my mind has to actually get used to being able to sleep a solid you know, yeah, six to eight hours again, so. That's really funny. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because I've been getting random messages from Jade at all hours of the night, and I'm like, why
0: are you awake? I'm awake. <laughs> yeah, you think I'm a liar, and she's probably up 50
1: million times. Yeah, but no. Okay, you can one high, plans. one low. Okay, one high is my parents have come to visit, Woo. and today we've actually recorded with Timmy, but that's to be shown later down the track, but Timmy. love, love getting him on board. So, Hope you all look forward to hearing that episode soon. One low is that Goldie seems to have fallen into that whole witching hour situation already. (laughs) So from like, it's not an hour, it's a lot more than an hour, from about 6 till 8.30 p.m. She's just so unsettled and, and nothing you do helps her. Like sometimes she'll fall asleep in your arms, but if you dare put her down, she wakes up. So you're just holding her nonstop in the evening sometimes crying sometimes settled crying unsettled um so we never used a dummy with poppy but nick and i discussed it last night and if it happens again tonight we might give it a whirl we don't really know how to whirl. we don't really know how to use dummies we've never used them before but i can stay tuned i can tell
0: you you take it out of the (laughs) packet.
1: you shove it in their goal no oh you sterilize it oh okay yeah and then you shove it in their mouth okay so, maybe my high next week will be that she takes a dummy life is bliss and she takes a dummy. So I oh. was super excited this week to have Luca from Boob to Food on the show. Um we find we've both found her Instagram page of the name Boob to food super helpful in terms of all things transitioning to solids, purees and baby lead weaning, infant nutrition. she's just a wealth of knowledge. She's a wizard. She's a wizard, Harry. So we're super excited and can't wait for you to hear about all things baby food and even um, fussy toddlers. So enjoy. Because we had so many questions for Luca, we have split this interview into two parts. On today's episode, we discuss introducing solids, purees versus baby lead weaning and the pros and cons of each, developing good eating habits, how much food is enough, what goes into those pouches and how to introduce grains. On next week's episode, we will talk about introducing allergens, tips for raising a child plant-based, tips for fussy eaters, weaning off the boob and much more. Hello Luca, thank
0: you for being on the podcast today. You're welcome. Hi Luca. Hello Welcome to the potty.
2: thanks for being having me. We're, We're
1: super excited, excited to have you here because transitioning to solids and infant nutrition are uh, questions and issues that I know a lot of mums and dads have a lot of stress and anxiety around. so thank you for sharing all your amazing knowledge with us today. You're welcome. Would you like to tell us a little bit about you, about your family?
2: Yeah, so um, my name's Luca and I run the account boob to food on Instagram. But my background is that I am a registered midwife, so it's my normal day-to-day job. I work um, in a large hospital in Newcastle. I'll walk myself out the door, but continue. <laughs> and I am also a registered nurse. And I teach the birth and parenting classes, so the antenatal classes that you would go to when you're pregnant, and a certified nutrition consultant. So that's my background. I specialize in babies and postpartum. But I'm also a mum of two. So I have a four and a half year old Flynn and a nearly two year old Florence. And I have a husband. (laughs) you feed him too sometimes yeah (laughs) Yeah, it's what I make him (laughs) eat. and was it
1: after you had your children that you got into the nutrition side of things was there a
2: gap in the market or you yourself were stressed by it or um so when I had Flynn my firstborn um I was told that he should start solids at four months and he was nowhere near ready In my eyes to start solids, he was like a little blob still that did nothing. And so I started doing a little bit more research into it and then um, I was also recommended that he started on rice cereal and I just didn't sit really, no offence to anyone that's using rice cereal, but you might hear me talk about it later and why I don't like it, but it just didn't sit very well with me that he would be started on something that's quite synthetic and Mm -hmm. fortified and processed and I just didn't understand why it wasn't, I guess, more promoted that it should be a whole foods diet. So I did a little bit more research into it. And it kind of took me down this huge rabbit track of research and self research. And I ended up finding out that the guidelines were actually six months and they were changed in 2012 by all of the major health associations. So it kind of just spiraled me into, I guess, Yeah, finding out more for myself and and different avenues, not just the child health nurse. And that's how I sort of got into all of it to start with.
0: Why does it always keep changing? Sometimes it it says four months and then it's six months and then they go back and then they go forward.
2: Like what is it that they're working out? Well, I should say what the science, it should be more about when your baby's ready. So that's what they've decided from 2012. So all of the major health um, associations like the World Health Organization and most of the major uh, countries' organizations have all agreed now that it should be around the six month mark, but not before four months. They say between four and six months is the recommended age to start solids, but they recommend closer to six months the world health actually says exclusive breastfeeding when I say breastfeeding that it can also mean formula feeding just so you know but exclusive milk feeds until Mm. six months and then studying solids but some babies will be ready a little bit earlier so so what you want to look at more for more is the signs of readiness which is usually between five and a half and six months old that they'll meet so that's because not any baby is the same and both of my kids were actually started at five and a half months so just a little bit earlier because they were showing all of the signs of readiness so that would be sitting up unassisted they can still topple like a little bit but you don't want them propped in like a bumbo or some you know a high chair with like cushioning around them you know you don't want them propped they need to be able to sit unassisted because that means that the muscles in the digestive tract are actually ready to start digesting food Hmm. for the peristalsis, which is the muscle contractions to sort of, you know, poo it back out for everything to be working properly. That's a good sign. That's one of the major signs that they're actually sitting up. So that one's really, I think, in my eyes, probably the most important. The other things are like having an interest in food, but that can start from four months, which is why people get confused. But they are also interested in everything at four months. So it's not a huge sign that they should be started on foods because if you pass them... A piece of dog poo they'd also eat. <laughs> mm. So like, have you tried that on your children? Yeah, but, um. <laughs> yeah, because Poppy was really
1: interested from four months and yes. we actually started not long after four months but on dog ju- poo. On dog yeah. poo <laughs> exclusively. Yeah. Yeah, good. <laughs> um, but you know, really intermittently. Like definitely not every day. That was more due to laziness though. But she was definitely not sitting up on her
0: own. Yeah. And neither yeah. were my children, but I felt like when I was the first time parent, I was so excited because I was just reading the shit out of everything and I'm like, Oh yeah, it's four months, it's time to feed, baby. So that I think that's where the confusion lies yeah. is it's more looking for those signs of development
2: than yeah, a strict age. Than mm. a strict age. And I'm yet to meet a four month old that has is matched the ready. signs of development. Mm. So Sorry, it's developmentally ready. The other thing is that's a big one is um, that they've lost their tongue thrust reflex, which is when you put something in their mouth, it's a reflex to automatically push whatever you've put into their mouth back out. And it's a Mm. mechanism against choking. And that does diminish around the four to five month mark. So that could be not just food, but anything. They'll automatically push it back out of their
0: tongue. that was like the start when you started feeding a child, like that was just their the, the reaction because they don't know how to feed.
2: Yeah, no, it's actually a reflex to right. stop them choking. Right. But, and I mean, if you started feeding four months, you probably would have seen that a lot. Mm-hmm. Around six months it's usually gone. Mm. Um, some babies will still spit food out obviously yeah. and not like it, but this is more like it's a real reflex, like it's an automatic you know, it doesn't just happen sometimes and happen not the other times. It's like every time they would push the food back out of their mouth.
1: That makes me feel slightly better about the fact that Poppy keeps trying to feed Goldie, so she <laughs> has a reflex. That I, I mean, I'm not going to say I'm not going to watch them anymore, but at least I do know that there is a safeguard place for that.
2: There is, and oh, it also helps you, you might know against vomiting, like choking on their own vomit when yeah. they're a baby. this reflex pushes it back out
1: right so they're the main three things so sitting up unassisted interest and not the other thing i would say
2: which is kind of hard to to know until you start but you, you more just want them to have like a real independence about them so you know if you even if you're spoon feeding or if you're doing finger foods that they are able to tell you in their own way that they've had enough or that they want more so this might be like them learning how to turn their head away mm. from the food. It might be them if you're spoon feeding them, going their head moving towards the spoon rather than you just spooning yeah. straight into their mouth. Then them just lying there and kicking their legs. Yeah, this is like them actively going for the spoon. So that's like a really good sign as well. That because what what we really want to promote with foods is that they can self regulate their appetite. So you know, we're not force feeding them that they are telling us when they've had enough and that's a really big part of solids. And so. when
0: you start, is it more about introducing the different tastes and flavours of food rather than filling them up with food and obviously feeding them milk whether it's bottle or breast? Is that the main source that they're getting for a while and you're just introducing these flavours to get them used to well, their taste buds used to new things?
2: Yeah, yeah, there's, I guess there's two two reasons you feed a baby. Is One is that, like, you help the whole experience. Mm-hmm. The other thing is that they do have some nutrient needs that they will meet around the six-month mark that right. breast milk or formula won't meet by then. So there's the old saying, food before one is just for fun, and it, it is for fun and it should be fun, but it's not just for fun. So that's the message I try and bring out is that, you know, because then we could feed them McDonald's, you know, because that's fun. But that's not meeting their nutrient needs you know so i would not recommend mcdonald's for a six month yeah. so
0: and like... what, what would you recommend for for best first foods to start because you you mentioned rice cereal um mm-hmm. uh, that a lot of organizations recommend that's what we should start feeding our children yeah and you mentioned that you wouldn't start on that so what what's the reason behind that
2: so rice cereal, I don't like as a first food. Firstly, it's a, it's a grain, um, which are that bit harder to digest for even an adult, let alone a baby that's never had any solids. Um, the other thing is that it is quite nutrient void. I'm not saying rice is bad at all. It's a it's a good food and when we can tolerate it, definitely. Um, but it doesn't contain a lot of nutrients in it. So what they do is fortify the rice cereal with synthetic iron to meet the baby's iron needs. So you would hear doctors or healthcare nurses um, who might, might promote this Firex or rice cereal because it will meet your baby's iron needs and it will in an effect meet the iron needs and so if you weren't going to feed your baby a really nutrient-dense diet that is high in iron, then, yeah, I probably would recommend rice cereal because they do have these iron needs. Does that make sense? Yeah. But mm. what I would recommend is natural sources of iron rather than the synthetic version because the synthetic iron can constipate which is, a, and, and also just cause um, like gastrointestinal sort of issues and can spring up eczema, especially with rice, you know, because it's the grain. Um, sometimes their digestive system just is a little bit more sensitive. It's not that they have an allergy or anything, but it's just not ready to process foods like before, that. Yeah. That's right. So I like to focus on more whole foods and natural sources of foods to start with. Well, in total, I should say. And I do like rice later on down the track, but just not for the very first foods. And I prefer to always stay away from synthetic ingredients. So I don't know if you guys ever had um like Ferrograd in your pregnancy, like the synthetic yeah. iron, which is known to make adults constipated and have Mine black I vomited everywhere. Or vomit. <laughs> I, yeah. It's horrible. And because I'm a midwife, I guess that's what we... I don't recommend that one, but that's what we're taught to recommend that that particular one because yes, it will meet the iron needs, but many women can't
1: tolerate, tolerate
2: it. it, so they end up going to a natural version. And it's same for babies; like you might, I hear all the time about babies being constipated, and it shouldn't really be the case. Focusing on more natural sources of foods will hopefully prevent these issues happening. So foods that I, I guess, I guess the baby's main nutrient needs. The biggest one would be iron and zinc. They require more than an adult male at 6 to, to 24 months. They require By
1: weight or but like They require more milligrams. milligrams. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. They, they require 11 milligrams of iron a day and an uh, adult male requires eight.
1: Oh, so it's not even per kilo no. of human. No. It's just, In oh, general. my goodness.
2: Yeah. They require more than an adult male. So what? i going to say female because we menstruate, so we yeah. require mm. a
1: little bit more. So what would eleven grams of iron be equivalent to?
2: Generally, um, you can meet that. My my favourite food for babies is liver. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I've seen. I've you um, grating it. Yes, yes. So liver, a seventy gram piece of liver meets their iron requirements for the day, just mm-hmm. in that one one piece of liver. But you obviously can meet it in so many different ways, like with a whole foods diet, Yes, yeah. you know, a combination of foods that are going to meet the iron needs. So how um, would you do that if you, okay, great, my baby's showing all the
0: signs, I'm going to start um, giving let's example liver yeah how, what would we make like what would you do would you just use liver would you incorporate something else with it for the first time or the first food that you would actually do how would you do it
2: i suppose it depends what method of feeding you want to do finger foods or puree i'll talk about both in the mm. so in regards to liver it probably wouldn't be my My kids' very, very, very first food was avocado because I was like, that's a safe food, it's very low allergenic. The other thing that babies need a lot of is fat. They need a high-fat diet um, and high omega-3 and DHA. Their breast milk is actually, I think it's 65% fat. So what you're trying to do is mimic sort Mm. of like Mm. a breast milk consistency in them and a high-fat diet will also prevent constipation because it will lubricate digestive system
1: and the fat is that for healthy brain development yes. is that right yeah. yeah
2: so our brain is is 65 percent fat made up of that much and and it's developing until i think it's six years old from memory so we really want to focus on a high fat diet for kids so anyway avocado is great because it's a really beautiful high healthy fat so when i talk about high fats i'm not talking about like fried chicken fried food and (laughs) vegetable oils and things like (laughs) that (laughs) but the the first foods that i recommend i should say the, the ones that i think are like the top foods to recommend usually meet all the requirements for the nutrients so that's why i like them so avocado was my first food and then after that i went on to they had some sweet potato um because that's you know, just a lovely vegetable, high, nice carbohydrate. And it's got lots of other like vitamin A and things like that in it. After that, we went on to the liver. So my kids, we both I started both of them on purees and then we moved on to baby led weaning after. With the puree, what I do, and, and if people have Instagram, they can watch it on my highlights because it'd be hard to explain. But at boob to at food. At boob to food, Yeah. So you can um, say you've introduced something like sweet potato or pumpkin or something, you can roast it or steam it, add some fat to it like coconut oil or olive oil or something like that and then you can grate the liver on top of it and you can grate it frozen and with us like a cheese grater and because it's so fine, the warm puree will actually cook the liver, yeah. cook so fast. So. You don't have to like pre-cook. It's so easy to do. So I just leave a liver in my freezer all the time and I just grate it into the kids' meals. I still do now Um, and into ours. You cannot taste it. The liver
1: of a... I've human a, being <laughs> whichever child being the your no
2: <laughs> look i say whatever you can get because where you live is going to really yep. depend on what is available but like, what, what i would recommend is grass-fed or organic mm-hmm. because it's a liver it's a detoxifier you really don't want a bad quality mm. one and so i like chicken because it's the least flavorsome mm-hmm. but honestly any is fine yeah yeah with a puree i
0: used to squirt breast milk Mm -hmm. in with the the first solid foods
2: yeah and and mush that together yeah that's great a good thing to add yeah breast milk is great to add there's a few things that you can use to loosen a puree breast milk or formula is really good you just have to be mindful like of of restoring it after, like, no, if you I'm, don't use it at all, I'm not like, a restorer. yeah i'm so yeah.
0: a I literally squirt it in over the table, and then yeah, once perfect. it's done, it's
2: no, that's it. that's fish. meal that's
0: times in your it. house. Sounds interesting. <laughs> Come over, I'll make you a latte.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I've stopped breastfeeding, what am I, about?
2: <laughs> yeah. I came at you on still
1: a <laughs> maybe just a piccolo.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, do that. I like to also add bone broth mm-hmm. um because bone broth is high in gelatin. Um, and collagen so that's um, really really good for your baby's developing gut lining the gut and just also like new tissue growth like protein building all that sort of thing so I love bone broth for that and it also helps whatever it is mixed with become easily digestible Mm -hmm. so that's the whole aim of the game with babies is is making things easy to digest Mm -hmm. that's what you want so you don't that's why again i don't like rice for the first thing because it's not easy to digest whereas that's what we want to focus on if you were doing so that's how i would do a puree with liver um and you wouldn't have to add very much maybe like a teaspoon to the puree and yep. that would be heaps if you were doing baby led weaning you would just cut it into finger length shapes and fry it so that's what you do with the liver explain what baby led <laughs> weaning amazing. is and why is it called baby led weaning <laughs> So baby led weaning is essentially a fancy word for finger foods. And I don't honestly love the term because I feel like it's gotten a little culty and that's not what I think it should be about. So it's almost got
0: very exclusive, like very, you do one or the other, but yeah, I actually are you breastfeed or are you formula feed, oh you baby led yes. oh well, puree yeah. only. Yeah, no,
2: you spoon feeds. Yeah, it's, anyway. I actually got banned, my boob food got banned from like a high up baby led weaning Facebook group, community group, because I advocated for that you can spoon feed and that it's okay. And I got banned. I'm not allowed to be mentioned on there. Mm. Oh my gosh, you're like Voldemort. So I started my own community group on Facebook. So. How funny and ridiculous. Yeah, it was ridiculous. I actually added myself as not boob to food just so I could see what yeah, people good, were writing. Yeah. I was actually so saddened by the comments on there like how much, how bad they would make mums feel it was like there's so much judgment already and then there was just yeah. this just to add on top of it and these poor mums they were feeding their baby like beautiful healthy food just by the spoon and they were getting slammed for it like, baby weaning yeah is essentially finger foods and the diehard cult activists will say that you cannot introduce any spoons or purees that's what they'll say like it's just finger foods and that's it However, technically, what baby-led weaning is is that baby is leading the weaning. If you think of the word, Mm. and the weaning (laughs) is talking about breast milk milk or formula, so they are weaning off of you, you know, milk feeds onto food. That is what baby-led weaning should mean. But for some reason, it's taken on this whole other genre. Um, But when I speak about baby-led weaning, I'm talking about finger foods generally. So. There is, a, there is spoon feeding, which is purees. There's baby lab weaning, which is finger foods. And there's you can meet in the middle and you can do combination feeding, which is my favourite mm. way of doing it. Because all babies are going to be so different and some babies will take to baby led weaning so easy. So my daughter I started her on purees she lasted two days until she kept chucking the spoon at me and wouldn't eat (laughs) I just gave her food and that was it like she was she was baby labeling from her own accord like she still will not let you go near her with Mm. a food with a spoon she's I do it so so I don't even bother going. that's her in
1: all facets (laughs) yeah she is She's,
2: she's feisty whereas my son he was puree fed um for maybe a month just purees and then I started introducing some finger foods with the puree so he would have a puree but before I would give him the puree I would give him like a slice of avocado and he would play usually not really eat any just play with it and then you know he started to gradually work out how to eat it and then gradually I sort of stopped the purees and then increased the finger foods and that's Mm. how he did it. So they're all different. And, and some I think babies... that's probably
1: natural because because your son is older than your daughter. With Poppy, I gave her a lot of purees at the start. The thought of giving her finger food made me very anxious. I loved yeah. introducing her to solids but yeah. it seemed really out there to me to just hand your child some food yeah. and hope for the best. And now that I've fed one child purees and then gradually gone on to finger foods, from there I now understand that gagging is a normal part of learning to eat that they're gonna gag on both of them that it's important for them to learn how to eat and I feel so much more comfortable with it now and I will introduce finger food this time much earlier but it is something that you've kind of got to become comfortable with and realize what is normal and what's abnormal
0: I think before you can just dive straight in and there is a lot of anxiety behind A lot of things with with parenting and mothering and all these new chapters that we always dive into because there's always changes and kids are growing and with the food aspect there are so many choices like you that was your your choice with Poppy and you had a different one Luca and I had a different one if it works for you and your anxiety is you know it's easy for you to do puree then you do puree Mm -hmm. I found with Yumi I was much more confident, as you were saying, with my third child that I'd puree, as I said before, my foods Mm -hmm. and then I'd have a few peas on the table and I'd have a sliced avocado so she could actually just, didn't have to eat it, feel the texture, Mm -hmm. flick it around and then gradually she started picking it up, but I thought that she might be able to associate the taste with what that food actually looks like in, yeah. a, in a bigger form of mm-hmm. what we eat.
1: And what are the pros and cons of each one?
2: There is pros and cons to each. So what, what you were saying is I think the most important thing is that the family is comfortable with the choices that they make and that mealtime is an anxiety-causing because... Babies will pick up on your oh, anxiety and then they will have negative associations with food. I'm not an anxious person, so for me, baby led winning is like quite, you know, easy, you know. You're like, comfortable. I'm really comfortable with it, but I could completely understand why it would be. Um, but, yeah, so I think, yeah, just going back to that, you should choose what you're comfortable with because mm. that's going to make the most enjoyable um Experience, experience all yeah. up so with spoon feeding the benefits could be um yeah like it might be less anxiety causing some parents like to know exactly how much the baby is eaten so for some parents can tick those boxes for them and know that their babies had the nutrients that they need for the day and the other thing is with spoon feeding you can tend to get more nutrients into the baby than with baby led weaning so there is um, a lot of studies that say that some babies not everyone, obviously, but some baby lebuines are actually iron deficient, have more mm-hmm. risk of iron deficiency because people are scared of offering meat. I say meat because meat is the highest form of iron. But so can they,
0: if they are, if you're going to give your child meat... Can you give them like a lamb chop bone with a little yeah. bit of meat on it so there's no chance of you you being anxious that they're going to choke, even though if they
2: do gag a little bit, it's actually okay because they will bring it up. Yeah. You can definitely give meat, but a lot of I find a lot of people won't give the meat because they're scared. That so they're going to choke. I still recommend the meat, definitely, but you just want meat to be like really slow cooked like a lamb shank and pulled apart you know off the off the bone just strips of meat that are really soft or like you said a cutlet's amazing liver like i was saying Mm. pan fry it so it's really soft and they can just even just suck the juices out of it Mm. so you can definitely i still definitely recommend meat but the studies show a lot of baby led weaners don't actually offer any meat because they're too frightened of it yeah and another thing you can do is called pre-mastication where you, you chew the meat yourself. Oh, like, like a bird. bird. Yeah. <laughs> and you give the baby the meat that way. And that's fine too if you want to do Wouldn't that. Wouldn't you be sucking all the nutrients You're yourself? sucking some of the ju You try and obviously not suck it like dry. And the other thing is, sorry, you can also um, buy liver capsules and you can sprinkle liver capsules onto food. So you could have slices of avocado and sprinkle the liver. There's another thing you can do, which is actually on my Instagram, and it's going to be in the book that i bring bringing out where you can, because I was finding this problem with mothers, this does sound a bit gross, but what you can do is puree the meat, like say a roast dinner with the vegetables and everything, make a puree, and then I've got a recipe where you can add gelatin to it, put it in the fridge, and then you can cut it into finger-length pieces so it's technically a finger food (laughs) it's a full of gelatin (laughs) yes i invented it it's disgusting like i would never eat it but babies my daughter loved it
1: that's common that is like the height of combination yeah (laughs) i was
2: like how can i how can i fix this little gap so that's what i made and then you can also make it like porridge fingers and all sorts of things so it's actually really good yeah but then back to your question the benefit of baby weaning The benefit of that is that, like you were saying, the baby is experiencing food as a whole. So the taste, the texture, the smell, um, they're developing their pincer grass, which is when they're picking food up with their finger and forefinger and thumb. And they also generally are eating more with the family too. So they're eating what you're eating, which is going to set them up for better eating habits. So I just recommend if you are spoon feeding, that you introduce some form of finger food by nine months. Okay. Okay. That's the only like real hard and fast rule that I think, like you don't have to be full finger food by nine months, but by nine months are usually that, and and we haven't really talked about the gag reflex, but that what they're afraid of. Okay. (laughs) Do you want to ask the question? No, no, no.
1: Well, I was just going to say, you know, what is normal gagging? Because I think that's the major anxiety anxiety. around baby led weaning or finger food.
2: Yeah. So the... Gag reflex is a normal physiological process that happens, and it's a response to anything going into the baby's mouth, touching the palate, touching the back of the mouth, sometimes even the tongue. And by six months, that reflex starts to move back. We still have it now as adults, but it's like you know. Don't worry, we know. <laughs> you're purging, purging, after your big night or whatever. Yes, that's right. <laughs> I was thinking. Yes, of. not, <laughs> not big throat. No. <laughs> Luca
1: I actually hadn't thought that. of that. <laughs> She's not allowed in this room. Yeah, gonna, She's
2: too innocent. Already. My poor husband. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were talking about your high hyperemesis or something. No. Anyway, we have a gag reflex and um, ours is quite far back. Generally, I don't know how we well endowed your husbands are, but ours quite far <laughs> back. Mine must be like right. Like,
0: no, what are I'm you trying to say,
1: Anya okay. <laughs> Jesse?
2: Yeah, I didn't know about it. So you know, moving along, babies are really full of <laughs> babies are right at the front so generally by six months they are moving back but like obviously if if a food is touching and sometimes like a long piece of food then they're going to gag but some babies have a really hypersensitive gag reflex which means it hasn't really moved back yet and it will but they will gag a lot easier than others so and is that
1: any kind of indication to it's, it's like that they're not ready or no, no you just, just work through it's just it. trying to
2: work through it and trying not to make it a scary process so it might be that you stay on purees for a bit longer and introduce the finger fit around nine months where the gag reflex should have diminished quite a lot by then yeah um and that's what i'm saying every baby's so different so yeah gagging is normal and it's a it's a safety mechanism against choking um so The big difference to know what gagging and choking is is gagging is really dramatic. It's really loud. They cough, they go red in their face. Sometimes they'll even vomit a bit. It all sounds horrible, doesn't it? It it looks frightening. Whereas choking is completely silent. It's when the airway is completely occluded and there's no air getting um, down to the lungs and the baby can't physically even make a noise. So yeah. they say it's silent, it's it's scary in its own right. Mm-hmm. And that is completely not normal. And it's actually really rare if you're offering safe shaped foods yeah. for babies. So finger size so shape. them like in a really weird sign in. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Yeah, on. so the general rule is f- <clears throat> finger shaped food. So like your index finger because that gives babies enough to grasp onto and bite. That's what you kind of want to aim for, but if you're scared, just go smaller and smaller and smaller is my general rule.
1: If it's the length of a finger and they're holding on to it and they've bitten half of it, mm-hmm. is the second half still safe even if it's
2: If it's skinny enough, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because your finger is is quite thin and it's not a round shape. So yeah. Yeah, the, the foods you want to avoid are generally more the round shape or the really hard in texture or the um, sticky kind of foods. So they say things like uh, raw fruit and vegetables, so like hard fruit like apples or raw carrots, things like that, popcorn Cherry tomatoes, grapes, sausages.
0: <laughs> I'm just going through Yumi's diet. Oh my gosh. Like, I know. But they can have all them. I, cu- just, I just cut they, them in quarters. Yeah,
2: quarters. Hmm. That's the general rule. Yeah, I so. was just
0: thinking, geez, they're like all of Poppy's favourite foods. Yeah, isn't?
2: and they are kids' favourite foods. So marshmallows, because they can stick. I mean, hopefully, people aren't giving babies. Like six-month-old marshmallows. <laughs> Here's your first food.
0: <laughs> um, I heard that you should continue cutting the grapes in a certain way even when it. your child is like four or five.
2: five. Yeah, well, Tiny Hearts Education did a live CPR video on my Instagram yesterday and they said till 5. Yeah. So do the quarters. other thing also is whole nuts is a big one. Um, you need to wait until their molars are in for whole nuts. Yeah, and
0: when you're mature,
2: 18.
0: I The other question that I had, is it good for you to sit around the table and have your child joining in at the same time that you're all sitting down and eating? I find that I always... Feeding me separately mm. because she's got a different time to us so she's actually yeah. probably never really seeing mm. us all sitting down eating at the same time
2: yeah i would recommend it but i know it doesn't work for right. every family
1: well it's hard like i mean often you're feeding them at say 5 p.m yeah or one of your one of the parents may not even be, be home from home work at mm. that time so. i just
2: say whenever you can to do it and if your the other parent isn't home from work still i would recommend sitting down with them which i know is hard you know, when you've got more than one kid and, you know, you're trying to do other things, but But even I guess mimic their food of what they're yeah, eating. I like the 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 biggest thing the biggest thing for me, I think, to set up healthy eating habits in the future is is family meals. Like yeah. I see such an importance and emphasis on it that we eat at five o'clock now every night just because And I mean
1: it doesn't have to be dinner, it could be
0: breakfast where really, maybe be, everyone but is it, home. Definitely, or, or, yeah.
2: Or just when you can. Or on the
0: weekend, make a, make right, a point yeah. of this Lunch. is our, our lunchtime yeah. together, sitting down. Yeah, I'm going to make that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm all about changes in 2020, so that's going on my own. <laughs> well, you should see next a star my- chart. <laughs> yeah, um, I saw, it. Star I saw it. Chart. <laughs> My goodness. Hey, it's working. <laughs> no, it looks fabulous. It's, oh, my house is fresh.
2: But, yeah, I, I I see huge importance in it, and, but I do realise that it's not achievable for everybody. But, um the thing, the thing that really kind of irks me is when I'm sorry if you do this, is when people feel, feel, give their kids a separate meal to what we're having. Like not irks, but I feel like you're you're kind of setting them up to think that we eat differently. And you,
1: Do you mean when they're a little bit older, like when they're past purees? Just, well, yeah, kind of yeah, but even
2: purees, let's say just try and puree. I mean, make it easy for yourself to try yeah. and puree what you're eating generally. But should
0: you start off giving them an individual flavour first, like potato only, sweet potato only, instead of mixing, you know, like if I'm making a chicken soup mm. and I blend that, that's got so much flavour. Is that too overpowering for their
2: taste buds at the start? I'm, I'm a huge fan of flavour, so... I don't think it's more so the
1: flavour. I think it's – is that to work out allergies you, or you well, kind of give them one food at a time. Well, they actually
2: recommend you don't need to anymore oh. apart from the top allergens. See, they're changing everything. I, I can't know. keep up. Do you know what, though? And it will keep changing. Mm. Next year probably different. But this is a current, you know, <laughs> recommendation is that you don't need to introduce one certain food at a time apart from the top nine allergens or if you have – you know, a specific allergy in your family, then, you know, you would probably want to be careful of that food. Yeah. Or if your baby potentially, like, had really bad eczema and haven't even been introduced to solids yet or, you know, digestive issues, then, yeah, probably do things a lot slower.
1: Or I guess if you give if you start off not doing individual foods and you do find there's some issues, then Then you might pair it back.
2: Because, you know, it it can be like an allergy to salicylates or something, which is, you know, really random and so many foods. Yeah, which is And a lot of them are just like sensitivities and they do grow out of them. But, yeah, with flavour, like, yeah, maybe for the first month go slower because they've only had breast milk or formula, just pretty sweet and bland flavoured. But I do recommend... Yeah, working up the flavours because you don't want to encourage a a bland palate. Yeah. And this is the time. There's a real window of opportunity before, I reckon before 10, 11 months, which you're probably finding now. Oh, yeah. Because they start to get really, and this isn't science-based, this is just anecdotal, but they start to get really independent around then. and I do it. I do it. Yeah, and and might start to refuse what you're giving. And I'm not saying if you don't do it in that time you've missed it, but I just feel like. (laughs) It's, it's a, a really real time cool. to, you know, like another one of my favourite foods is sardines and everyone's like, like I don't actually personally like them. I do eat them. I make myself eat them because it's so good for you. Mm.
1: Because you know. you've <laughs> preached it.
2: <laughs> but my, my kids love them. Right. And like everyone's like, oh, my, I can't give that. I'm like, just try it because you're putting your – food you know yeah preferences you don't onto like, them.
0: that's exactly right i yeah. don't like oh i didn't used to like mushroom yeah and now i like mushroom so yeah. i cook it up in butter and yumi loves mushroom like yes. it's all over her face and she and mushrooms are good yeah great so
1: i think that's a huge thing is not putting your own hard, food yeah. preferences onto a child like when we were in japan poppy was 11 months and they would bring out dried fish and dried squid that you could literally like smell, smell coming across yeah. the, I mean, it probably had too much salt for her. I probably shouldn't recommend this. But <laughs> we would get her to try it and then we're like, if she doesn't like it, then we know it's yeah. really bad. <laughs> yeah, but if food. she likes it, then we'll give Does it she a like go. It? She, always, she always ate them yeah. and then I'd give it a go and be like,
2: absolutely <laughs> no way
1: am I eating that. I find
2: babies are funny. I find that they generally like the strongest of flavours, mm. like sauerkraut. And you try to give sauerkraut to a kid that's never had it who's like five, yeah, and they would no not way. have it no, probably. Yeah. yeah, so I just think introduce the flavors while you can. Yeah, that's my big thing. How
1: do you know how much food to give your baby?
2: Yeah, you don't. So, <laughs> this is a question I'm asked all the time. And just like adults, they have different food needs. Some yeah. babies breastfeed heaps, mm. and some babies yeah. breastfeed not very much. Some, I say some milk is full fat, some's low fat. I have like skim milk, I swear. So <laughs> <laughs> my babies don't sleep. <laughs> yeah, like every, they, their needs are going to be so different. So I think just starting out on one meal a day, and it doesn't even have to be every day, like you said, it can be every few days to start with. Just we have to kind of come back to our own intuition. We've lost yeah. it a lot along the way. And I think the problem is probably people like me and every other voice out there and there's so many there's opinions. There's so much information. So you just have to be mindful. You have to really be mindful of your own intuition um, and and your baby and, and just try and, try and, and it sounds a little bit like heebie-jeebie, but just try and tune into what they want and telling you because they are no one is going to be the same. So my son went straight pretty much to three meals a day. Like he was just hungry and he just loved it, you know, mm. he was just scoffing it down, loving it. My daughter stayed on one meal for ages and then gradually worked up to two, gradually worked up to three. And, and she's what still are signs, a like picky kind of eater.
1: Yeah, what are signs to introduce another meal?
2: I think. I cause, guess because if they're
1: still getting milk at the same time, yeah, like what's that sign to...
2: That they're hungry.
1: Yeah. Do you know what I mean?
2: I guess if you're baby-led weaning, it's pretty easy because you can just offer them food, you know, yeah. if you think oh, I might offer them. I generally say start, start food at, around morning tea time, so whatever... Yeah just after that first nap of the day or before it, depending on what time your baby's napping. If they're hungry in the afternoon, like if you think, I don't know, they they show you signs that yeah. they're grabbing for your stuff yeah. or if you're eating, they're trying to grab it or, you know, they might be a bit more whingy than normal. They might be trying to like put everything in their mouth or stuff like that. Then you might say, I'll just offer them some more food. The whole thing should be you offering food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't take it. That's See, fine.
0: I, I offered from day dot. So for the first week I did, just a little breakfast, stewed apples, blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, now you can try lunch as well, then you can try dinner. And then I just started doing this three meal a day, every day. And because she enjoyed the breakfast, then she enjoyed the lunch. And I'm like, And from the start,
1: should you be giving the food before a feed rather than after a milk feed? after. a milk feed. So
2: milk should be the priority, they say, until 12 months. Mm. Some babies will... Obviously, though, this is the thing with baby lear weaning, it's normal to start weaning off of breast milk, but it, milk should still be the main priority, but it doesn't mean that the milk feeds aren't going to drop yeah. because they are, and that's just normal. And so, you know, one, one meal of the day may come before a milk feed and that's fine, but like the milk should still be the priority for most of the feeds. So yeah. say like you have your most babies have like a pretty big breastfeed or formula feed in the morning and then they might have not really a a big breakfast but they might have like more of a later morning tea Mm, or something like that. But then they might, you might not breastfeed them at lunchtime, that might be your normal and so then they have more of a lunch then but then they might still have two feeds in the afternoon or something like that. Does that make sense? It does make
0: sense and I think if they're eating the right amount and they're happy eating the solids mm-hmm. then you know it's fine for them to slow down on on the yeah. drinking I mean Yumi now has to have formula because yeah. she's not yet 12 months yeah but she really just got over feeding on the boob and opted for solid Boobers food yeah. She, yeah. she really just wanted, wanted solid food solids. never had a child like that yeah. and yeah. She, she pulled away so now we have to actually yeah. hand her a bottle to and say I,
2: and I do get that I quite a know? lot like a, a lot of parents worry the recommendation is, yeah, that you have they still have a lot of milk-based fees until 12 months yeah. and then they don't need them after that if you don't want to feed them that after. Yeah. Food can still take up like a big majority yeah. of their diet, but, yeah, just I would say if they do start to prefer food, over formula or breast milk to just try and be a bit more mindful of spacing it out a little bit yeah. more so mm. so that you can get more breast or formula into mm. them yeah they should still really be having about three three milk feeds mm. a day at you know coming up to the 12 months yes yeah.
1: and is it important or recommended to give breakfast type foods at breakfast lunch type foods at lunch <laughs> dinner type foods at no. dinner
2: one of my other things, everyone always messages me asking for breakfast foods for babies, like a six, seven-month-old, and I'm like that's probably the only meal they're having in the day. Don't think of it as a breakfast mm. food. Feed them your dinner leftover from last night or whatever, like I'm not saying you have to fry up liver at eight in the morning because, you know, that's a bit hard to for us to stomach <laughs> usually. <laughs> but, like, just try not to think of it as the typical, stereotypical breakfast foods because that's just a marketing ploy, mm. you know, and we've come into that and i'm not saying that i live for breakfast but my kids did so yeah just trying yeah. to think of it as not as typical foods but as just food
1: because so. i guess we often for breakfast will eat oats or yes. bread or often things that you, yeah. you you're, you're not wanting, wanting to potatoes. give a six month old. Yeah, yeah
2: that's right pouches
1: oh yeah
0: some pouches
2: <laughs> everyone's gonna hate me after this i also don't like pouches i was pissed
0: off to be honest <laughs> sorry when you told me that information i was listening on your on your instagram i was like now what backup do i have yes sorry. when you want to unknow information you're okay, so I, I wish i
2: never looked- heard that if you don't want to um, don't stop listening now if yeah t- don't
1: turn it off just mute for the next couple of minutes <laughs>
2: Yeah, I don't like them because even a organic pouch has gone through so much ultra-high heat processing to get to that point. So I did a post on this on Instagram and it's why I don't like pouches. Um, and the saying on it was, did you know that pouches in jars, sorry, baby food in jars or pouches are typically older than your baby? <laughs> so that's how it starts. So anyway, I'll read you how they sort of process it so that you can grasp why I don't like them so it's not just me being... Annoying. Some baby food companies purchase pre processed purees from ingredient suppliers to be used in their food. These are made by chemically washing the produce, milling it to a pulp, straining it, and heating it to high temperatures. Then the puree and concentrates are imported to a baby food production factory in plastic drums where they are mixed together in large vats to create different flavour combinations. Then extra ingredients like lemon juice concentrate, citric acid, ascorbic acid are then added to the mixture and these acids act as a preservative so the food can sit on the shelf unrefrigerated. Then the puree is pumped through hundreds of feet of hot metal pipes. The pipes are heated to more than 200 degrees and the food can sit in them for hours, ensuring it's commercially sterile. Then the mixture is filled into pouches made of plastic and aluminium or glass jars then the puree exits the pipes is filled into the pouches and jars puree is then cooked again inside of its final packaging either in an aluminium or plastic pouch or jar and these high temperatures damage the valuable nutrition that's left in the puree the pouches and jars are then packed into the boxes shipped to the truckload quantities to warehouses where they're stored before making their way to the grocery store then they are categorised as commercially sterile, which means they can sit on the shelves for years, making them technically older than your baby. And
0: so, your baby is now
2: 18. <laughs> Sorry, so that's like a whole, I guess it's, it's it's a roundabout way of saying, like have you ever looked at a pouch and wondered how lamb can yes. sit on a shelf? Yeah. Even if it's organic, how can it sit on a shelf for oh. two years? To have unrefrigerated. It it's gross, really, and when so you think it's, about it's it. It's
1: not necessarily, it's not necessarily, Necessarily that the pouch is unsafe for your baby in terms no. of its age it's more that it just lacks. It just most lacks nutrients.
2: nutrients and what is left after all that ultra high heat Have you tasted how sweet they are though? They're bland but sweet. So they generally because they've been like cooked down, cooked down cooked down all that's left is like a syrupy watery mm. kind of mixture. I've
1: only tasted the fruit ones because I've never dared taste. The I've one tasted with the, the lamb and spinach.
2: Oh how is that Bland. Yeah, I tasted one once just to see what it tasted like and it was like, I was like, oh, it's so sweet. And I don't even think it was a sweet one. It was meant to be chicken or something. Yeah. Anyway, and so that's the reason. And so what it does also to your baby is it's, one, lacking in nutrients and, two, is it's giving them huge blood glucose level spikes, which right. isn't very good for their, like, metabolism either. Yeah. So I don't like them for that reason. Um And then when I did put this post up, I got heaps of questions asking what about if they make their own purees and put them into pouches. And whilst that is an absolutely better option, I still don't love that option because it's not teaching them any chewing or moving of the mouth or self-regulation. Like they'll generally just have that whole pouch, you know, like in a sitting rather than like you being engaged with your baby rather either with spoon or finger foods mm-hmm. is you're losing all of that to do with the food so i think yes for like emergency situations yeah. if you're yeah. going on a plane if you're traveling do the make the your DIY own no. ones yeah. yeah like you know they i fully understand that people are busy and like i get it but For like a general all-the-time food, I wouldn't use
0: them. Because I was going to say, you know, it it, it gave me a little bit of anxiety when I read that and I was like, no, 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 just because (laughs) I thought, well, when I'm actually busy and I don't have time to make a meal, Mm -hmm. I don't want to have to stress that I can't even rely on a pouch to feed my child. But I guess even if you are a busy parent, if you overall everything is in moderation and there's going to be a time obviously it'd be lovely to be able to freeze all your meals and have that ready to go but if you can't and you need to use a a pouch or a glass jar or you need to use that in in you know, in between these moments, then, of course, that's well, okay. it's yeah. the same as any food for your family. Like if mo- I was going to say. I if eat the shit I mean, I don't. <laughs> F45, F45. F45.
1: But, but it, I mean, it's the same as feeding your whole family. Like, exactly. even if you, you know, I would say as a family we're healthy and we put a, little, a lot of thought into what mm. we eat as a family. But, of course, we get takeaway every now and again. Oh, yeah. Of course, we do quick meals every now and again that aren't yeah. the yeah, most really. – you know, mm. nutrient dense foods, but yeah. I guess it's it's what you do most of the time rather than.
2: Yeah, that's right. What you do and, that's, you know, that's and that's again. the whole thing. And we've done a lot of traveling, like our family, and like I get it. When you're traveling, you you sometimes uh, just got to do what you got to do. Like and that's fine. That's a period and that's of fine. time you where know, you've got you to do If you're going it. on an airplane, and you you just sometimes have to do it. Like, but I'll, I'll, I was and,
0: very impressed with understanding that how easy and quick it is to boil up some veggies and to make a few meals and then freeze them for the week. Mm. I did this this week for Yumi because I knew I was in and out and making Pastas and little veggie patties, and just freezing them and pulling them out yeah. mm-hmm. when I get home from work. It's just like home from work. It's one day a week, and I'm here. <laughs> it's two days a week. This yeah, we're week. busy. We're so out. It's actually three days this week. Welcome. Good
2: maternity leave. For you. Yeah. So.
0: <laughs> but yeah. So you know, it's it's if you if you can put aside a couple of hours to just slam out some meals to freeze, I yeah. find that our, our, in the in your conscious feels great as well because yeah. you you got really good backup
2: yeah that's right and and there's so such easy things you can use like portable like say chia pudding that's like my favorite i love cheer pudding but it's so easy it takes mm. like three minutes to make i just make a few jars in the fridge my my kids both wake up we live in a caravan at the moment We've been traveling. I just make a few chia puddings and they know they get up in the morning and they get it out of the fridge and I don't get disturbed and they eat their chia pudding before they're, like, yelling at me. How do you make chia pudding, just quickly?
1: She's got a recipe on our page and (laughs) she'll have a book coming out soon that we can all use our money to buy. But you know I can't wait. When and how should we introduce grains?
2: Grains, what I would recommend is, so starting your baby. I actually have some free guides on my website now on starting solids so like what i would recommend per age Mm -hmm. everyone has their own sort of idea on when to introduce things but mine is sort of focusing on fruit vegetable egg yolk meat chia seeds and some nuts and seeds in the beginning and then from eight to ten months is when i start to introduce some more complex foods like beans legumes lentils um and then i start with pseudo grains which are actually not grains but they're actually seeds so quinoa buckwheat, amaranth, and teff. They're the ones that I would recommend starting on. They're not even in my vocabulary. You would use quinoa, surely. I hate quinoa. Oh, babies. Like... Anyway, this is more for babies. Like, okay, that's not about they, me. I forgot. They're gluten-free and they're technically not a grain, so they're actually really easy to digest and they're more nutrient-dense than a grain is because... They're actually really high in protein, they're seeds. So I prefer to start on them once your baby's then tolerating them okay then to introduce some of the lower gluten grains and rice. So you can use rice and then some like oats, which is a low gluten grain. Then you can start working once they're tolerating them okay, then you can start working up to like spelt or a good quality sourdough. Mm -hmm. That's how I would sort of a whole wheat. But you have to remember they are allergens. With, when I do introduce those foods, I really like to soak or sour them first. Mm-hmm.
1: Someone specifically asked about did they? Um, you sprouting grains.
2: Yeah, I don't sprout because if you have the time, definitely do it. But sprouting takes like a long time. Well, sprouting? Yeah. It's when they grow little sprouts. Each time you're soaking, souring or sprouting, you're breaking down that grain even more that the body doesn't have to do it so sprouting yes if you have time definitely do it but it can take like a week yeah so you have to be very prepared oh god um soaking you can do the it's night It's okay off. don't get
0: stressed it's okay i'm getting anxiety you're I already there can't. your
2: baby's tolerating fine so don't worry yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is like you know the ultimate i'm talking about like the ultimate way of introducing solids you know so take what you want out of this you know? yeah this is how i did it and this is to meant to it. make
1: it easier, not hard. Okay. So
2: soaking is actually easy. So making a chia pudding is soaking this chia seeds overnight. That's soaking. You've done it. Ah. You've made them easier to digest. You shouldn't give a chia seed without soaking because mm. they can make you dehydrated. So. You should always have them in something. Overnight oats is soaking the oats. Mm-hmm. It's actually easier than it sounds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Souring is the next step, and it's so easy. It's literally putting something sour into it, like a, a culture or an acid. So you can do a squeeze of lemon juice, a bit of apple cider vinegar, or you can go a fermented way and put like a little bit of whey in it, or if it's something savory, but a sauerkraut brine or something like that. And you can actually break it down even further. So that's souring. And then yeah, sprouting's the next option where you're leaving it for like a long time in moisture. You know, chickpeas will get little tails. That's anyway, to make it easy for you, all you need to do is is you just have to it takes a bit of pre-preparation is put whatever the food you're going to cook the next day. So whatever grain or bean or legume, whatever you want, into a bowl with a little with cover it with water. And then if you want to do the stirring, you can put your squeeze of lemon juice or whatever in it, cover it with a tea towel and just leave it. And the next day you just drain it. No. That's it. It's, it's easy. Okay. It just takes a little bit of forethinking. Yeah. Yeah. Because it makes preparing. it easier for the next day. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And the cooking time will be heaps reduced too because you've already broken it down a lot. Mm. So, you know, we we're getting so many babies these days and, and into adulthood with gut issues and celiac and, you know, allergies are through the roof. And these are just little things to hopefully prevent these things. Oh, good. Yeah.
1: Sorry for the abrupt ending, but due to the amount of questions we had for Luca, we are splitting this interview into two parts. Tune in next week to hear us talk about introducing allergens, tips for raising a child plant-based, tips for fussy eaters, weaning off the boob and much more.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on you.